0: I am so excited about this series. Uh, we're calling Happy Monday, How to Find Joy in Your Work. And I want to start with a question Have you ever had a job you didn't like? Researchers at the University of Aberdeen found the single most important factor in life satisfaction and overall well being is job satisfaction. How you feel about your work turned out to be a bigger predictor of life satisfaction than how you feel about your family, your leisure time, your health, your finances, or your social life. What's more is there was a Gallup study of about uh, 250,000 people. They found that only 30% of employees are engaged and inspired in their work, which means that 70% of us have just checked out mentally. What's more is there has been a a dramatic increase in stress-related illnesses for people who have high-speed jobs with tight deadlines, which seems to be the only kind of jobs left anymore. People who are happy in their work tend to be happy in their life. People who are miserable in their work tend to be miserable in their lives. In fact, one study cited by John Maxwell found that outside of genetics, job satisfaction is the number one predictor of how long you will live. Now that you know that, how long do you think you'll live? Do you think you might die at any moment? Your work is incredibly important to your life. What's more than that is your work is incredibly important to God. And so we're doing this series to help bring your work life and your God life into one life. And today we're going to walk through the 10 commandments of work. I mean, if God were to give us 10 instructions about our work life, what would they be? I would say the first commandment of work would be this. Thou shalt thank God it's Monday. Why should we thank God it's Monday? Because God invented Monday. God invented work. This is from Genesis chapter two. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. In other words, the first person to work in the Bible is God. When the writer of Genesis says in the beginning God created, that means in the beginning God was working, he worked. This idea of God who works was actually unique in the ancient world. Uh, Other religions in the ancient world actually taught that the gods, whoever they were, created human beings to work for the gods, to offer them food so that the god could sleep and party. Zeus did not have a job. Uh, Baal did not have a job. Yahweh The God of Israel had a job. The God of Israel was the only God who worked. And this had huge implications and it still does. One scholar put it like this, Israel was virtually the only ancient people who viewed work as dignifying rather than demeaning. In in ancient Greece, people who practiced a trade were slaves. I mean, there were actually Greek cities that passed laws that prohibited citizens from working. I mean, work work was done by slaves or by women or non-citizens. By contrast, in Israel, in the Talmud, uh, which is a group of Jewish writings, it said, he who does not teach his son a trade is as if he teaches him robbery. In Israel, they love trades. I mean, Peter was a fisherman. Uh, You may know this, but the apostle Paul was a tent maker. Jesus was a carpenter. And that's not by accident. They loved work. What is work? Work is the expenditure of energy for the creation of value. I've heard it expressed this way. Work is love made visible. Uh, Work when it's done right is just love made visible. Uh, You could do this whether you're a student, whether you're unemployed, whatever. Everyone can do this. Everyone can make love visible. Everyone can expend energy to create value. So this Monday, whether you're earning a CEO level salary or minimum wage, whether you're a student or retired, whether you work for a great boss or Attila the Hun, whether you're headed for Shark Tank or a Think Tank, this Monday, when you wake up, the first thing I'd like you to say when you get to work is this, thank God it's Monday. I mean, with incredible passion and conviction and joy. Let's just say this, thank God it's Monday because God is a Monday God. All right, I have to set up the second command with a video clip. Um, Part of why I'm so excited about this series is we live in arguably the most thrilling time and the most uh, creative place for work in human history. I mean, if any followers of Jesus have ever been fired up about work, it ought to be us. Uh, Maybe you know about a show called Silicon Valley. Uh, I want to set up this second commandment with a clip from it. Uh, If you've never seen this show, it's a comedy about two nerdy entrepreneurs who are trying to find just the right kind of worker to join their team. And you wonder in this moment, like what kind of attitude is this person going to bring? Check this out. Thanks for coming in and sitting down with us. We're really excited to meet a few good engineers to join the Pied Piper team. So uh, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? I don't work before noon or after 2
1: p.m. And I need to bring my dog to work. Are you, are you dog friendly? Oh yeah, you can bring your dog to work. That's not what I asked. Are you dog friendly?
0: Um, nice pool. Can my dog go in? Yeah, yeah. We're very dog friendly. Is there a lifeguard? Um, Cause my dog can't swim. Now it says here on your resume that from 2010 to 2011, you
1: crushed it. But that's actually an old resume. It should also read that I crushed it from 2013 to present. So
0: are we to understand that you did not crush it in 2012?
1: There was a medical situation preventing me from crushing it to my usual standards, so. Had to take some time off until I was able to crush it at 100%, at which point I resumed crushing it full time. All
0: right, so commandment number two is, thou shall crush it as if thy work for the Lord. Uh, This is Paul writing to the church at Colossae. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Crush it. (laughs) Give it all you have as if you're working for Jesus. Now, I used to think about this as kind of a metaphor, working for God. But in Genesis, we're told the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. In other words, when God gave the human race dominion, that meant he was assigning to us the job, the, the work of culture making and creation care. God gave human beings work to do, and space to work in, and a a mission to work on, and resources to work with, and accountability to work under. Question, would you work a little differently this week if Jesus were literally your boss? Well, here's the thing, Jesus literally is our boss. He is being blessed by and served by my work and by your work, he really is. Our aim is to do the best work we can do, to uh, be my most or your most diligent and creative and focused and initiative taking and best self because we work for Jesus. So crush it, crush it it as if you're working for the Lord. How do I crush it? Well, that leads to commandment number three. Thou shall remember his yoke is easy. This is what Jesus said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, a lot of people in our day, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now Jesus, as he often does, uses a picture from the world of work, from the field of agriculture. An ox was a working animal. And maybe you know this, if an ox was in a yoke, uh, how many oxen were yoked together? It was two. And so the idea here is never work alone. In other words, always work with Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, so do your work with me. I love these words from Dallas Willard. He would always get real practical about this stuff. This is what he said. Let's say I'm a plumber going to clean out someone's sewer. You stay attentive to what you're doing at the moment. You ask, how will I do this as Jesus would do this? If you encounter difficulties with people you're serving or with a pipe, you never fight that battle alone. You invoke the presence of God. You expect to see something happen that's not the result of you. The crucial thing is to be attentive to God's hand not to get locked into thinking it's me and this pipe never do that this is living in the kingdom of God this is having the kingdom of God invade the kingdom of plumbing or the kingdom of Apple or the kingdom of Target or whatever it's never just you and the pipe It's never just you and the computer. It's never just you and an angry customer. It's never just you and the bad cash flow. It's never just you and the broken down car. It's never just you and the misnumbers this quarter. It's always you and Jesus. Jesus, how are we going to handle this? I invoke his presence. And then I thank him ahead of time. And then I look for what happens as a result of working with Jesus that would have not happened just through me. I talk about my problems with him and I ask for his help. And I thank him in advance for what he's gonna do. And I look for that. And I put the heavy burden of stress and worry about my work and my life on him. See, it's not work that crushes people. It's the pressures and the stress of work that crushes people. And the only antidote for that is the easy yoke. We need to be praying for that every day. All right, that's the third commandment. The fourth commandment is, thou shall not be defensive. You know, work is one of those places, it's one of the best places in the world uh, to learn the truth about yourself. This is from the book of Proverbs. The writer says this, too much pride causes trouble Be sensible and take advice. Work is such a great place to be humble and learn the truth. Between high school and college, I took a year off and I worked for a friend who owned a maintenance company and I was not a great maintenance worker. One time I got sent to replace a window and I had never done that before. I had no idea how to do it. I broke two more windows trying to replace the one already broken window. After that, my boss had me work in the finance department. I mean, he thought maybe I should just sit at a desk and use my brain. And I would do less damage that way. (laughs) And I learned what it feels like to work at a job that you're not good at. And I learned how to receive real honest feedback. I mean, that I was a window-breaking, math-challenged underachiever. And you know what? I learned to notice and admire people who before then, in my arrogance, I honestly probably would have never appreciated. You see, as followers of Jesus, our worth is already a done deal with God. It's not on the line in our work. Followers of Jesus ought to be the most coachable people in the corporate world. I'll give you a baby step on this one. Invite someone at work who is not your biggest fan to meet with you. Maybe have coffee with them or lunch or something like that. And then tell them in the past, I'm not sure I've received feedback with the best spirit. So would you be willing to tell me what it's like to work with me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? And then listen and take notes. Don't explain, don't defend, don't solve, just listen. All right. Commandment number five is this, thou shall not compare thy career advancement with others. The writer of Proverbs said, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Work is just the place where all the ugly stuff comes to the surface. I was talking to a business guy once. He was telling me, you know, I'll read articles about other guys in my field, and uh, I always look to see how old they are. And if they've climbed higher than me, but they're older than me, well, I'm okay with that. But when I start seeing guys who have outperformed me and they're younger than me, something inside me uh, just starts to uh, get disrupted by that. It's, It's a painful thing inside. Have you ever envied someone for their job or their office? I mean, seriously, have you ever envied someone else's job or office or title or career or salary or boss or abilities? Envy is just not an optimal life enhancement strategy. Now, of course, you can't stop envying by trying really hard to stop envying. It gets way down deep inside of us, into our bodies and into our synapses. I mean, I'll tell you uh, something that has helped me in this area. It's to start praying for the person that I envy, praying that they would succeed even more. I mean, it's hard to just sincerely pray to God for someone to soar and then to like envy that person at the same time. For at least those couple moments when I'm praying, I find God is helping me to be liberated. And what's good is not to try to beat someone I envy, because there's always going to be someone above them. But to be liberated from envy is where the freedom really is. All right, we'll talk about the next five commandments in just a moment.
1: Exodus 19 tells us that on the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, they came to the desert of Sinai and the community camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. They were freshly free, only three months separated from their old lives in Egypt. Exodus 19 continues and Moses went up to God and the passage says the Lord called him to the mountain. While on the mountain, God promised Moses that God's presence would fall as a dense cloud and that the people would hear God's voice. The Israelites consecrated themselves, they cleansed themselves, they washed their clothes, and then they waited. God descended onto Mount Sinai with smoke, and the Lord descended in a mountain like fire, and the mountain trembled. Moses spoke, and we read that the voice of God answered. And then Moses went up to the top. And at the top of the mountain, he received what we now call the Ten Commandments, which you can read in Exodus 20. I've been thinking about this story in Exodus and have been struck by the way that people receive these new rules and rhythms of of life as they began their new journey. See, for 400 years, the Israelites knew only one way of life in Egypt, and then they found themselves free, and they found themselves without schedules and stipulations, and so God gave them structure for their lives. God gave them the Ten Commandments And he gave them these rules for society and community and guidelines for how to interact with a God that now dwelled literally amongst them. A new life came with new rules. And Matt's doing something similar now. We tend to approach work with a certain mindset. Maybe you approach work full of love and admiration. Work is the best possible thing ever and it never disappoints you or annoys you or challenges you. But for most of us, or at least 70% of us, according to the stats that Matt started with, we approach work with challenges. We may struggle with burnout or disappointment. We may really dislike a boss or a colleague. We may be burdened or, or joyless in our jobs. But now we have the beginning of new commandments. Like the Israelites who shifted their daily rhythms in and through the commandments they received in Exodus 20, we can, with these reminders, start shifting the way we approach and do work. So which of the first five commandments has challenged you so far? Do you need to spend more time thanking God it's Monday? Do you need to crush it more knowing that you work with and for God? Do you need to unburden your yoke or work on being a little less defensive? Are you comparing yourself to others? Take a minute right now. Highlight or star or circle that commandment you want to work on. And if you're a perfect five for five crushing it, just wait because Matt's going to be talking about the other five commandments we have for work. And I encourage you to not only write them on your list, but to really spend time listening to the Spirit and finding which commandment you can work on this week. Let's rejoin Matt.
0: All right, commandment number six is this, thou shalt expect problems. We have this strange tendency, you know, we expect to go to work, but then we're surprised when we have problems. We don't expect work to be hard. Work is hard. I mean, that's why they call it work. It's always hard and part of what happened at the fall when sin entered the picture is work got all messed up. See, sometimes some people think work came because of the fall and before the fall, there was no work. They believe that someday, you know, when they go to heaven, like they're just going to sit around. It'll just be like this eternal vacation and time for work will be done. That's not true. God himself worked before the fall. God gave people work to do before the fall. And what happened at the fall when sin entered the picture is work got messed up. And God said, now the ground will produce thorns and thistles. Now you're going to be at odds with the environment and you'll eat by the sweat of your brow. So before the fall work was no sweat, but now we're disconnected. We're at odds. One of the pictures of discipleship Jesus gives is from the world of work where he says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I mean, this is about being a follower of Jesus, being a disciple of him. No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service. Of course, this could be applied to, uh, uh, metaphorically to lots and lots of different areas of following Jesus, but it actually starts literally. If I'm plowing, the ground will be hard. I mean, if it wasn't hard, I wouldn't need to plow it. How would Jesus plow if he were a farmer? I mean, he he wouldn't take five steps and say, you know, hey, this is hard, I think I'm gonna quit. He would keep going. And he'll help me keep going because it's never just me and the plow, it's never just me and the pipe. So this Monday, like whatever you do, volunteer, go to school, or an office, or a store, or a restaurant, whatever. Expect cranky neighbors, and difficult coworkers, and slow computers, and stubborn engines, and restless students, and challenging decisions. Expect it. I mean, this is what Jesus says to expect. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Which days? Each day, each and every day. How much trouble? Enough trouble. So there's trouble today. There's trouble tomorrow. You can count on it. I mean, if you want to know what you can count on tomorrow, count on trouble. (laughs) That's what Jesus said. Work is full of problems. The idea that I ought to be just in this great place where I experience like self-fulfillment and nonstop like easy creativity and everyone just kind of like cheers me on. I mean, that's why they call it work. Trouble today, trouble tomorrow, count on it. All right, commandment number seven. Thou shall embrace thy real workplace today over thy imaginary workplace tomorrow. Embrace your real work today, whatever it is, however humble, however difficult, uh, over your imaginary, grandiose, you know, marvelous, success-driven work tomorrow. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you're going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. It's kind of a cheery thought, isn't it? Uh, Do your work as Jesus would do your work. Like what if I dislike my work or what if I dislike my job or hate my job? That's an interesting problem in our world. If you dislike your job or hate your job, do your job as Jesus would do your job. I mean, that's actually the quickest way either to get a new job, or to find joy in your current job, whatever the job is. A couple weeks ago, I was working on a project in our shower that involved scraping out old caulk around the base of the shower and replacing it and and replacing a a cartridge in our shower faucet to stop it from leaking. And I told you er earlier about my ability around maintenance. Uh, well, I started on the caulk and, you know, it took me several hours to scrape and then replace this, uh, this caulk. And while the new cock was drying, I decided to replace the cartridge in the faucet. Like, how hard could that be, right? I mean, there are YouTube videos of moms walking me through how to replace a cartridge in a shower faucet. Well, after several attempts and a couple trips to Home Depot to get the right tools, I was able to remove the cartridge. And then there was this strange noise and a strange pop. And all of a sudden, like gallons of water were gushing like Niagara Falls out of this pipe onto the floor of the shower where the caulk that I just replaced was still drying. I said, Kathy, there's something wrong with this pipe. I don't know what to do. I wanna use bad words. Kathy said, Matt, it's never just you and the pipe. Okay, that's not exactly how it happened, but I did want to use bad words. Uh, The real issue is never just like, am I in the right job or is my job going well? The real issue is never just like, what job am I bringing myself to? The deeper issue is, am I bringing my best self to the job? It's not what job do I bring myself to, it's what self do I bring to my job? Am I bringing my best self? Am I doing what's best? Or am I doing what's easy? Am I bringing the best that I can bring? Or am I just doing enough to get by? There's so much in the Bible about work. Paul said to this, uh, this to the Corinthians, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, the work of the Lord is the work that God has me to do. And of course, that's all my work. It's not just like ministry work. It's all my work. My work in the Lord or to labor in the Lord is how I work. How do I work? I work in God. I work with God. And people sometimes ask, like, how can I bring Jesus into my workplace? Well, you don't. Because Jesus is already there. Jesus is every bit as present there as Jesus is here, or where you are, where we worship, or where we learn. God is present in my work wherever it is, every bit as much as he is right here, right now, or wherever you are. In fact, your job will be the primary place of your spiritual formation. I mean, think about that for a moment. Your job will be the primary place where your spiritual formation happens spiritual formation is really an important phrase and we've talked about this a lot before it's quite simple it's just the process of shaping your inner thoughts and desires and habits and choices everyone is being formed spiritually everyone uh no matter where they are what they believe is being formed spiritually all the time not just christians it's not just like an extra credit deal It's the most important thing that's going on. Everyone is being formed spiritually, and your job is a really important part of that. How many hours a week does the average person in the Bay Area work? Okay, let's just say 40, just as a joke. Uh, How many hours does the average person in the Bay Area go to church? All right, let's just say one for fun, right? Here's the deal, 40 hours uh, or, or more at work and one hour, and for most people, it's a lot less than that, at church, the goal is not to try to undo what happens in 40 hours by what happens in one hour. The goal is not even primarily to keep making the amount of time that people spend in the church higher and the church that they spend at work lower. I mean, the goal is to learn to be with Jesus in the 40 hours a week that you're at work because he's already there, because he cares about that place every bit as much as he cares about what happens in the church. You see, part of the reason we do this service is so that you can learn and be encouraged and worship God and remember that he's in charge and then take all of that with you into your world at work. All right, commandment number eight, thou shall expand thy network. Uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Notice this actually has a work reference because they receive a good return on their work. You see, the idea of being, being linked in started long before our day. And the best way to build a network, the best way to be linked in is to just help people. I mean, just be interested in people. One of the people I've learned about this from now for the past 10 years or so is Ruth McAninch. Uh, Ruth was one of our board members, and she served faithfully at Blue Oaks for the last 10 years. Uh, Ruth has had one of the greatest work lives I've known. And the main thing I see in Ruth is she is genuinely interested in everyone she meets. I will guarantee you that if you know Ruth and you ask her, how are you? She'll say, more important, how are you? I mean, if there's a question I've heard Ruth ask once, I've literally heard, it, heard her ask it a thousand times, how can I help? I mean, you can tell if you get to know her, it's not that she's like thinking, you know, I have to try to be helpful. I mean, she likes doing it. And she almost always finds a way to help. And it doesn't mean that she's a doormat. It doesn't mean that she's like never getting anything done herself. She was an air traffic controller And a lot of people don't think of being an air traffic controller as a a helping profession. But with Ruth, uh, it was a helping profession. Uh, Last week, I was out for a run and I was listening to a a leadership podcast and a car slowed down in front of me and the driver rolled down the window and asked, could you help me with directions? And honestly, my first thought was like, don't you know how to use Waze? Like, I I don't want to stop and help you. I'm not even sure I know what the right directions are. Besides, I'm busy. I'm listening to a podcast on servant leadership. (laughs) And then the thought occurred to me, it's never just me in the pipe. It's never just me in the pipe. So I said to the person, all right, just follow me. I'm going to run ahead and I'll get you on the street that you want to be on. And it was such a tiny thing, but it felt so good to think I can help. Literally, five minutes later, another car stopped. And another driver asked, could you help me? And this time I was like, you know what? I'd be thrilled to help you. Like, move over. I'll drive there if you want me to. You know, I'd love to do this. One of the most important assets you bring to your work is the network of people you learn from and connect with. The best way to build that is with one question. This Monday, after you say, thank God it's Monday, just practice saying, how can I help? After you say, God, thank you that it's Monday and I get to work, just practice saying, how can I help? All right, commandment number nine. Thou shall remember those who cannot find work. One of the worst parts of unemployment because God made us to work is so often there's this stigma attached to it. People can feel shame, people experience rejection or the sense of not being wanted. One of the great heroes in this uh, faith and work department these days is a man in southern california named father greg boyle Uh, you might know about him he started what's called homeboy industries he helps tons of young people get out of gangs father boyle says nothing stops a bullet like a job and most of these young boys face histories and battles and challenges i can't even imagine He was saying the largest service they offer to Homeboy Industries is tattoo removal. He told about one of the times he realized the need for that. One guy who had recently gotten gotten out of prison came to him and had a tattoo on his forehead. This is a young guy recently out of prison, and I won't use the word that he had on his forehead, but it said, blank the world. I mean, that's the billboard message on this guy's forehead. And you can imagine where that came from. So he came to Father Boyle and he said, Father Boyle, I'm having a hard time finding a job. And Father Boyle was like, well, you know, let's kind of put our heads together and see if we can figure something out to do. And so they went into the tattoo removal business, among other things. Father Boyle says the gang world is so hard to get out of, he's now buried 185 kids. And it kills him every time. But he saved way more. You know, I can take my ability to work for granted so easily. If you're working, it's possible for you to forget that your education and your mind and your IQ and your ability to persevere and your energy and your body and your opportunities and your timing are all gifts from God that you did nothing to earn. If you're looking for work, man, I'm just so glad you're listening. Don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on God. As a church, we will help you find work. Maybe the greatest single need for people looking for work is that you would get encouragement and connection with other people who are maybe in the same situation who have been there recently. One other word here. If you hire people, if you manage, if you develop, if you train, if you have such a, a precious thing in your hands, ask Jesus to help you do it like he would do it. And remember what's at stake. It's never just you in the pipe. All right, last commandment, thou shall not retire. Did you know the word retire is literally not in the Bible? God the Father did not retire in Genesis two after the week of work. One time Jesus was criticized for working on the Sabbath. Look what he said, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working The Aberdeen study I mentioned earlier said people are increasingly expressing a strong desire to retire when they're 60 or even 55. Now, of course you may, someday you probably will, stop doing what you're presently paid to do. I mean, do you think that I'm gonna be doing this job when I'm 85 years old and drooling? No, actually I've already started drooling. I mean, you can volunteer, you can mentor, you could encourage, you can coach, you can run errands, you can pray. The point is whatever your age, whatever your stage of life, um, you're not about this pursuit of like pleasant manageability. God didn't make you for that. It's about joining in the work of God. There's a reason we say, thank God it's Monday. Uh, what's the day before Monday? that would be Sunday by the way a lot of people don't know this the reason the whole world now takes Sunday off is because 2,000 years ago the work of a carpenter on a cross got finished and our sins got paid for and our guilt was atoned for and on Sunday death was defeated and our hope was secured and on Monday we join God in his project of establishing his kingdom in schools and offices and stores and museums and factories. Imagine our church being a workforce that's unleashed for good throughout the Bay Area and beyond. Imagine every week we were uh, making love visible. Imagine we're managing like Jesus would manage and teaching like Jesus would teach and driving Uber cars the way Jesus would and accounting the way Jesus would account and policing the way Jesus would police. I mean, there are problems. Sometimes you get discouraged or disappointed or it's hard. And so you come in person or you listen online for an hour and you get encouraged and you kind of recalibrate and you get refreshed and refueled. And then we wake up again the next day and we go out with so much spirit and power and love. I mean, that the whole Bay Area says, thank God it's Monday. Everyone says when they know someone from our church, you know, I don't really believe everything that that church believes. I don't agree with everything that church teaches. But man, do they produce great workers there? All right, well, those are the 10 commandments of work. I hope you go out and try them this week. Next week, we're going to talk about the seven deadly sins of work. You're not going to want to miss that one. All right, let me pray for you and then Michaela and the team will lead us in a closing song. God, I ask that as we consider these 10 commandments of work, that you would uh, help us, that your Holy Spirit would be guiding us, that we would think of what next steps we can take tomorrow morning. God, help us even now to go to the, um, the part of this website where we could download the discussion guide and we can, we can look at those next steps and consider what steps we can take as soon as tomorrow morning. Help us to approach work differently because you're with us. You're right there with us that we're gonna be doing it with you. It's not just me and the pipe that you're with us, God. Help us to remember that and help us to Uh, see our work differently? Help us to see it through your eyes and the ways that you've gifted us and called us to the work that we do. And God, would we find joy and meaning and fulfillment and maybe even uh, work in a new way because you're at work with us and you're uh, doing this spiritual formation in us while we spend time in our jobs? God, would you just continue to uh, shape us and mold us and um, help us to uh, become the kind of people that you want us to be in uh, the workplace. And uh, may we be lights that shine brightly for you. May people actually see in us something different because of what you're doing in our lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, And We hope to see you on Sunday soon.